Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't been with us, we're in week three of a four-week message series called The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. Yes, that's right. It is possible, as we've been discovering together, to predict your future, that in spite of the uncertainty of life, in spite of the fact that we can't predict the weather accurately, we can't predict the economy, we can't predict what our spouse and our kids will do and the things that are coming down the line in the future, we can know in some sense, where we might be in a year or five years or 10 years because of the principle of the path. And that's what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. The principle of the path could be uh, defined simply with three words, which we'll put up on the screen behind me, that direction determines destination. Now, we all know the principle of the path. We've all interacted with it in our lives, particularly if you've ever driven somewhere or gone somewhere, then you know that the road you're on, that the path you're on, has a destination that is actually pretty obvious. If you've ever uh, gotten lost, if you've ever turned on the wrong road or got on the wrong highway as I have, then you know that you are not getting to your destination as long as you stay on that path or that road. Because in nature, when we're going down a road, that path has a definite destination And what happens so many times is that we know that this is true when it comes to direction. We know it's true when it comes to driving or walking somewhere, but we fail to see the connection uh, with our lives. And what's true about driving is also true about living. And that's essentially what we've been saying. Uh, We all have goals. We all have destinations we want to arrive at. You know, someday I'm going to have this amazing retirement. I'm going to have all this money set aside. Uh, The question is, are you living in a direction that will take you to that destination? Because sometimes, and this is what we're discovering, there is a great disconnect between where we want to end up and the road we're on. I want to have an amazing faith in God, but there's nothing happening today that would lead you to that destination. I want to have a dynamic marriage, an amazing family. We could go on and on with all different types of destinations that we might want to arrive at. And however, we can't get there if we're going down the wrong road. This is true in every area of our life. We're, we've learned so far in these past couple of weeks that intentions are not good predictors of where we'll end up. And I shared a story a few weeks ago about how I intended to lose weight and to fit into my black dress pants. And yet after months and months and months of really good intentions, they still weren't fitting. And even my 10-year-old son, as I shared the story, he knew that I was destined for failure because of the principle of the path. Dad, you will never fit those pants when you're eating that pie. He just understood that I can't live in this way and fit in the pants. And since that time, after sharing that story so casually with three or 400 people, uh, people have been reminding me. It's like everywhere I go, like, OBP, don't eat that, don't eat that. So I have a lot of accountability partners. Thank you for all your help, folks. And uh, so, I've, you know, as Todd said, how are you doing on the New Year's resolution? I'm doing pretty well. I've been eating healthy, been exercising, and, you know, on the right track, and I've gained weight. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. But I know the principle of the path, uh, it'll eventually turn around. So we'll just keep going in that direction. So we know intentions are not good predictors, but we're also learning this, that direction trumps intention every single time. Direction trumps intention every single time. We have to live in the right direction. This is true about driving, and it's true about living. 
So when it comes, when it comes to predicting your future, what we're doing today, the path we're on, is actually the best determination of where we'll end up in the year, five years, or decade from now. And I said this, I think, uh, uh, last week or the week before, that uh, sometimes we think, oh, no, I'm not heading somewhere. I'm just living life. Like, I just got up today, and I'm going to church, and then I got some groceries, or I'm visiting family, and tomorrow I'll go to work, and then I'm going to school, and I'm just, I'm just doing life. I'm just doing stuff. It's just one day after the next. No, everything you do and every day is taking you somewhere. You are headed somewhere. You're moving in a direction. The question is, what direction are you headed? So as we've been talking about this, Hopefully all of us, as we're hearing this, this principle of the path and we're thinking about our future, that hopefully all of us are making some adjustments. Anybody here making some adjustments based on this stuff we're talking about? Okay, like six people, so that's, whatever I'm doing is working. Thanks. I get some more hands. Thank you for the encouragement. Hopefully you're changing some things. Hopefully there's, there's a shift that's happening in your heart and your behavior that is, that is going to lead you to a better destination this year and in the years to come, and that's fantastic. But today I wanted to ask a different question. Because today, um, you know, we're talking about all these really practical things like it, if you want to lose some weight, it's, it's, the, the path is actually pretty simple. Eat less and do more, right? If you're, if you're in this direction of going into debt, it's simple. Spend less, save more. Like it's, like, it's not rocket science. We all know how to do it. It's just a matter of committing to doing it, right? But here's the question I want to ask you because this is a question that I think we have to ask when it comes to the to the bigger things of life, and it's simply this. What if we, what if we don't know the way to our destination? Like, what if we know there's some area of our life, some place we want to get to, but we don't know how to get there? It's not as simple as saying, just go the other way. You're literally going, I don't know how to get there. And I don't know about you, but anytime I don't know where I'm going, and particularly before the age of cell phones and GPS systems. Like if I was driving and I stopped in a town and I said, I got to get to such and such a place in the city, restaurant, house, and I didn't have a map and I don't have my phone, then I have to do one of the hardest things that a person could ever do is pull over and ask someone for directions. <sighs> and you pull over and you, here's the problem. When you ask directions, you don't know if this random stranger you found is a trusted source of information. You don't know if they're directionally challenged. And we know that most people are directionally challenged. They have no clue where they are. And so you walk into the gas bar. This is how it used to work. And you go up to the person and say, I'm looking for such and such a building. It's somewhere in this city. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. If you, and directionally challenged, if you go out the doors and then they're on the main road, turn right, and you look out and there's two main roads intersecting right there. And you're wondering which one. Like, oh, wait, wait, no, sorry. Turn left. And then drive for about five minutes. Well, it takes me five minutes to walk, so it'll be a little less for you in your car. But you go for five minutes, and then you're going to see a greenhouse. Turn left. And then you drive for a bit. Right? Because there's no... And then you're going to see a big tree. And after that tree, there's a playground. But if you get to the playground, you've gone too far. You've got to turn around and go back to the tree. But now, instead of turning left, you've got to turn right. And so... You walk out and you're just like, that didn't help at all. So you're driving around the city lost until you finally find um, someone else and you ask them for directions. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but this has happened to me before where I'm totally lost. I'm in a new city and I don't know where I'm going. And I ask somebody for help. And there's been a few occasions where someone would literally say to me, they would say, oh, I know where that is. That's not easy to find. You know what? Follow me. And the stress level comes down a million times. 
And you're just like, okay, all I have to do is stay behind you. And they go, yeah, yeah, just follow me. I'll drive you right to the place. And so they proceed to drive, and you're following them, and they go left, and they go right, and they go down underneath a bridge, or over a bridge, and under a tunnel, and this way, and that way. And, and then finally, they, they point, and they're like, there you are. And you're just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I could have never, ever, ever gotten here without you. Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever had somebody guide you to a place that you couldn't get to? Some of you are like, yes, that's me. I need someone to guide me all the time, right? Someone to guide you, and you literally say, I wouldn't have never gotten here without you. Did you know that in life, there are some destinations that you and I will never arrive at without the help of somebody who knows the way? That's just true. As I stand here today, I'm thinking about my own life and how I've gotten to the place that I am and the person that I am and the husband and father and leader and all of that stuff, and I can't stand here and take a lot of credit for it. And I think about this often, that I can't stand here and be like, oh, I'm amazing, I make good choices. Like literally, I had two amazing parents that I was able to follow. They were like, follow, follow us. And they showed me the way in many respects. And I know that all of you have different stories, and some of you, maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe for some of you, you, be, you became an adult, and your life was a mess, and you found a mentor, or a friend, or a pastor, or someone that said, hey, let me, let me show you the way. Let me show you the way. And so... There are some destinations we will never arrive at without help from someone. And you know, it, it takes a lot of humility to realize you don't know the way and ask for help. Would you not agree? And that's something I mentioned last week about wisdom. Like wisdom comes when you're humble enough to ask those who have gone where you want to be and say, would you, would you share your knowledge with me? Would you show me the way? Would you point me in the right direction? And it it startles me sometimes how, how few people actually take advantage of that. Like we'll go to school for six years of university to, to learn how to do a task, to learn how to do a particular job or career. And yet for some reason, we, we get married, we think that's gonna be a breeze, right? And then we start having kids, and not once, not once, do some people think to say, hey, maybe somebody has been down, because like, being married, no, staying married and raising kids is much harder than any job I've ever seen. True? But it takes a great deal of humility to ask somebody who's been there. You see someone who's got a family and you're like, man, I want my family to look like that. Ask. And what I've discovered is that, that anybody who's found a path to a good place is willing to share that path freely with others who want to get there. True? And so, man finding somebody saying, hey, would you, would you guide us so that we can get our marriage to that place? Would you guide me so that I can get my family to that place? The people who will be the most successful and the most satisfied in life are not the smartest people in the room. You're like, shucks, that's me. It's not the most educated people. It's the people who are humble enough to ask those who have been where they want to be for help and guidance. And it's amazing. And that's why church is so incredible because in this room we have people that have experienced things and been places that we want to be. And they're willing to guide us if we're willing to ask. And it takes humility. So that's my little rant on that. Hopefully at some point in our lives, each and every one of us would be able to say, I, I would have never gotten here where I am without you. So today, here's what I wanted to do with the time that we have today. I want today to invite you to do something pretty radical if you've never done this. I want to invite each and every one of you to, to follow Jesus, to choose him as your guide, to say, you know what? Um, if I need to trust somebody with my future, if I need to trust somebody with my decisions and my life and, and eternity, that, 
that Jesus would be the one that I would go to and that you would go to today. And some of you I know in this room have made that decision. We've had so many services here where we usually have, we'll have a baptism tank right here and people go under the water and they come out of the water all wet. But it's that moment of decision where the individuals are saying, you know what, for me, I'm choosing today to follow Jesus. I'm choosing today publicly to say, he's my guide. And I'm going to follow him wherever he leads. And whatever he says, I'll do. And wherever he goes, I will go. I am choosing to follow Jesus. It's an incredible moment. And I know so many of you in this room have made that decision, but some perhaps have not. And, and I want to invite you today to follow him in this moment and in this place. And so in order to do that, I want to look at a particular text. And we're going to walk through a lot of verses this morning. And I hope to try to make sense of them for you and have some application but in John's gospel, John was, was one of the disciples of Jesus, and in the sixth chapter of his gospel, he, he spends a lot of time on this conversation that Jesus has with a group of people that are following him around. And honest, I'll just be totally honest with you, in this particular message, as he's talking with the crowd, he kicks them in the teeth. So get ready. Okay, just brace yourself. Because the words that he says are absolutely life-changing if we receive them, and if we're unwilling to receive them, it's pretty revolting. It's like, I got to distance myself. And, and we really, we're going to see this moment where Jesus says some things that are so hard that most of the people that are following him scatter. All right? And so we're going to jump in in chapter 6 and verse 24. Here's what it says. Um, so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, Jesus had been on this side of the sea doing ministry and the crowds, I mean, thousands of people gathering, like mobs of people. And it seems as though uh, late in the evening, the disciples head across the sea in the boat. Jesus walks across the water. That's cool. And, and then, you know, I guess come morning or whatever, these, the crowds of people are all like, where'd Jesus go? The disciples, their boat's gone. They're gone. They've, they, and so Many of the people get into boats and they, they head across the sea to try to find Jesus. Others, I assume, would have walked around the shore, taken the long way. And they're looking for Jesus, which is a good thing. I think we'd all agree. They're looking for Jesus. And it continues to say this. When they, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi or teacher, when, when did you come here? Jesus, don't you know we've been looking for you everywhere? We want to follow you and you keep taking off on us. And they finally find him, and they're, they're asking him, you know, when did you get here? And, and, and Jesus, he, he cuts through all the small talk, and he's going to go right to the heart of the matter. And I've discovered, as I study the scriptures, especially as regarding Jesus, we're always talking about behavior, right? Like whether it's our kids, don't do that, do this. And even with adults, don't do that, do this. Jesus always cut through the behavior and dealt with motives. If you read, you read the things he said, and, and that's exactly what he's going to do, he, he, he looks at them and, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 26, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. He's, he's going to address the motives. He's like, okay, you came all the way across the sea to find me. Let's talk about why you came. Let's talk about why. He says, you didn't come because you saw signs. Now, the signs he's referring to earlier in the chapter, Jesus had literally healed multitudes of people. Blind eyes open, the lame walked. The crowds are just, minds blown. They're like, I can't believe. No one could do this but God alone. And Jesus is doing these amazing miracles. And then to top it off, 
okay? Jesus takes a little boy's lunch of a few loaves and fish, and he feeds 5,000 or more people with this little lunch. And everyone's just like, like nobody could do this but God alone. Like, Jesus. And so the, peop- the crowds are growing with each miracle, and they follow him here. And Jesus says, you didn't come because of the signs. Now, how many of you know what a sign is? A sign is something that points to something else. The sign is not actually that significant. This, the sign points to something significant. We've, my family and I, we've driven to Florida many, many times. And uh, we've often had the opportunity to go down and spend a week or two with our family sitting in the sun. And it's amazing. Um, last year, we got to go down again. And each time we do, we always stop at the Florida sign. And I got a picture here from last year's trip. A little selfie of me and the family. Super excited. Like, you've been driving for 20 hours. And you finally stop, and it's like, hey, kids, we're in Florida. And they go, ah, and they're running around the tourist station, hugging the palm trees. I, I usually do that, too. I'm just so excited to be there. And then, and then we always get a picture in front of the, the Florida, you know, the Welcome to Florida sign. And, and the kids are like, yeah, we're in Florida. It's like, okay, back in the van, five more hours. <laughs> because the sign doesn't mean we've reached our destination. It just means we're on the right track. Like if we stopped and there was a big sign, welcome to Alaska, there would be tears. We'd be like, wrong direction, the principle of the path we should have known, right? Florida, if the sign tells us we're on the right direction. And so Jesus says, hey, those miracles that I did, those healings, hey, me feeding the 5,000, those were signs that were supposed to point you to the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to, to me. Jesus is like, those things I did should have tipped you off about who I am. And so he says, You didn't come seeking me because you saw the signs that pointed to me, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. This is crazy. Jesus says, you literally came looking for me, but not because you wanted to find me, because you wanted more bread. More, like, motives. Let's talk motives, all right? You guys braved the winter. You had to shovel some snow, get your car cleaned off to come to church. But why did you come to church? There's a lot of reasons why you could come to church. I feel guilty if I don't come. My kids are freaking out. I just need a break from them. So <laughs> we got this children's program, you know, just give me an hour off is amazing, right? Or, or because someone will notice if you're not there or whatever. Like, or you love the music or the free coffee. Or you come each week to hear the pastor embarrass himself with his foot in his mouth again. And it's like, I just can't miss a week. You know, there's, there's all, and those are all great reasons. But the reasons why matter. If we stripped all of that away, would we show up today for Jesus? Would we show up for Jesus? Because we're all looking for bread. We're all looking for a sign. And, and here's what I've known. If we're totally honest, every single one of us has come looking for Jesus because of something we want. Nobody has to nod. Nobody has to look around. Not me. I'm perfect. I just love Jesus for who he is. We come looking. We're like, show us a sign. If you, Jesus, if you would just heal my body, I'll follow you forever. If you would just get me out of this financial situation I'm in right now, I'll be yours forever. If you would just turn this situation around, if you would just bring my wife back, change my husband's heart, fix my kids who are wayward, if you would do that for me, I would take that as a sign and surrender my life to you. I know none of you have ever thought this way. None of you have ever sit in a moment of crisis and said, God, if you just get me through this, I'll be yours forever. Of course, six months later, it's like, thanks a lot, got it from here. And we move on. But literally, we're doing the very same thing these people did. They're like, hey, give us some bread. 
hey, here's this, we're hungry, so once you feed us, we'll follow you forever. And Jesus is just looking at this situation, and he's going to take this moment to begin teaching. And he, here's what he says in verse 7. This is where it starts to get good. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus says, look, there's, there's temporal and there's eternal. There's the things of this life and then there's eternity, the stuff that really matters. And we've got both of them to, to address. And honestly, if, if we're honest, our focus is almost entirely on the temporal, on the now, on the kids, on the car, on the house, on the groceries. Our, our whole focus is so caught up in the moment, in this month, in this year, we very rarely think about eternity. And then Jesus shows up and begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus shows up and he's like, don't don't work for, don't work for the things that will perish, the food that will perish, but work for that which endures to eternal life. And this message series that we've been in is extremely practical, would you agree? Like, hey, if you want to get your health sorted out, take the right steps and move in that direction, your finances, your relationships, and, and that's amazing, and I hope that you'll apply the principle of the path and have a better life now, but here's the thing. Even if you could apply the principle of the path and do everything right and you, you have a healthy body and a six-pack abs and you have millions of dollars so you don't have to worry about your retirement and your relationships are all healthy, even if you could achieve all of that, if your eternity was in question, would it be worth it? Would it be? Jesus was always going, okay, there's now and there's later. There's, there's temporary and there's eternal. Let's focus over here for a sec, folks. He would say radical things like, if your eye causes you to stumble, pull it out. Ew. Like, what? Like, then I'll be blind. And he's like, yeah, better, better to live for these few short years without an eye than to burn in hell forever. This was his logic. It's like, hey, what's coming next is actually more important than what's now. So, hey, how about setting your trajectory for eternity? How about setting a course and a path for your life that will bring you to eternity with God the Father. Jesus talked in this way, and he talked about it all of the time as he talked to his people. And could you imagine spending your entire life pursuing things that you thought were important, having all, I mean, see, here's the thing. It's all temporary, right? You eat, and the next day you're hungry again. You get six-pack abs, it's amazing, but eventually your body fails because you age. You, you, all this money, you can set it aside, and then you die, and it goes to who, Right? So all of that stuff is temporary, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 hey guys, hey guys, I know you're hungry, I know you're focusing on the food, but let's talk about eternity, and he turns their attention there. He continues, verse 28, and they said to him, what must we do? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, Jesus, you're telling us there's a, there's a destination for this heavenly, heavenly supply. How do, we, how do we do that? How do we go there? And Jesus answers them, this is the work of God. He says, you want to know? how to ensure you're on the right path eternally. You want to know how your destiny and your future is secure? He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him, speaking of himself, whom he, the Father, has sent. In other words, he's like, you want to know you're on the right path spiritually? Believe in me. If you want to ensure your future in eternity, follow me. And so they said to him, this will not surprise anyone at this point. 
then what sign do you do? We're not sure we can trust you, Jesus. We're not sure we can follow you yet, so we need you to show us one more time. And if you could just do one more thing, if you could just make bread one more time, then and then we will follow you. We, we, we want a sign. We want a sign. Bread, bread, bread. Verse 31. They continue. <clears throat> we can suggest a sign, Jesus. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. They're back on the bread thing. These guys must be really hungry. As it's written... He gave them bread from heaven. He's like, you know what God did for the nation of Israel? When they were in the wilderness and they had no food, God gave them bread. Do that. Do that. And then we'll follow you. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What? The, the true, true bread, right? That must, that must have the germ in it and like seeds and flax, like true. Like, you know, you get wonder bread. It's fake bread. But then there's true bread. They're like, whatever kind of bread Jesus is going to be serving up this time is going to be even better. He's like, God gives true bread. And they're, they're just, they don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. He continues, for the bread of God, all right, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, the bread that you need is me. The thing, like, in the same way that a person needs food and sustenance, you take bread, what do you do? You eat it, it goes in your body, and it gives your body life. Jesus says, if you want to have eternal life, you must receive me. Do you see the analogy? This is, this is what he's talking about as he's talking about bread. He continues, for the bread of God is he who comes down and gives life to the world. And so they said to him, sir, sir, give us this bread always. This sounds amazing. Life bread. Give it to us. And Jesus says to them once again, he, they're not getting it. He just keeps saying it, keeps saying it. I am the bread of life. I am the thing you need that will sustain you, that will give you not just, not just energy for today, but life for eternity. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, he's not saying that if you receive Jesus, you won't have to eat anymore physically. He's speaking in a metaphor. He's speaking in symbolic language. And Jesus is saying, like your body needs bread, your soul and spirit need what I provide. It's the only way. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not giving you bread today, but I'm offering you myself. Is that enough? And uh, he continues by saying this, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. They had seen the signs that pointed to who he was, but they didn't want him. And the conversation continues to spiral out of control for another 14 verses. They just keep going around and around and around until finally Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, here's a statement that I think people would have felt like they were being kicked in the teeth because they're still hoping that Jesus is going to make them a bunch of loaves of bread. And in this moment, Jesus says something that is so radical. He says this in verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man... And drink his blood, you have no life in you. And the crowd goes, whoa, cannibalism. That's not allowed. What's he talking about? He's like, we just wanted some food. And Jesus is like, no, you have to eat me. And they're just like, oh. Now, now we know the rest of the story. We know uh, that, that later on Jesus would have his last supper with his disciples. And before he would die, and this, by the way, 
We're all looking for a sign. God, are you real? Jesus, are you who you say you are? Show me a sign. Do this for me. Show me a sign. We'll put out the fleece. For some of you that, that know the Old Testament, you can put a fleece out. You go, do this, do this. Show me, show me, show me. And Jesus essentially goes, hey, you know what? Here's the sign. I'm going to die for you. You want a sign? I'm going to take my perfect sinless life and I'm going to lay it down on a cross and die in your place for your sins so that you can be right with your heavenly father. Jesus like, I'll give you a sign. And, and you know what's interesting is when he's with his disciples, he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body broken. And they still don't get it. They're, what do you mean? Not knowing that that very night he'd be arrested and that he would lay his life down. And that he takes the cup and he says, take, this is, this is the cup of my blood, drink it. And they're like, okay, we trust you. And they drink it. But it would all begin to make sense later that Jesus says, here is the sign no greater love hath any man than that he would lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus lays his life down for us. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, if you don't, you have no life in you. And I, I want to skip down to verse 66 because I'm running out of time. MJ, if you can follow me there. Uh, after this comment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus had thousands of people following him everywhere. And after this conversation about this bread and blood and many of them, which means majority of them, left his side. And Jesus was left with a small group of very committed followers from that moment on. They turned away. I, I wrote down two reasons why the disciples turned away from Jesus in that moment. Why at this point in the path they could no longer follow. And some went this way, but only a few followed Jesus and here's the two reasons um, that, that I would give. And, and I think these not only apply to the people in the story, but I think they apply to us. Number one, they didn't get what they wanted. And I have to wonder how many times people come looking for Jesus and they come to church. Maybe we've all done this at some point. And, and we came thinking Jesus would do something for us. And when it doesn't happen the way and how and when we want, we go, I'm out. And we check out. And that's exactly what happens here in this story. The second reason why they turned away, um, they just didn't trust him enough. And I, I guess for me, I have to ask myself the question, do I trust him? Do I trust that he's a faithful guy, that he will lead me where I need to go? And so in this moment, as the crowds are walking away, and I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a business and your clients walk away, it hurts. If you've ever had a friend say, I'm done with you and walk away, it hurts. And Jesus is sitting there watching the crowds leave him because he didn't give them what they wanted. And in that moment, he, he, he turns to the 12, his disciples who are with him, who he chose, and he asks them this question, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have come to know. Notice those words. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This didn't happen overnight, folks. The disciples walked with Jesus for years, and somewhere along the journey, they, it clicked. Somewhere along the journey, they went, this is no ordinary man. Somewhere along the journey, they said, this guy knows the way to eternity, and no other person can lead us there. Somewhere along the journey. That's why Pathway Church is called Pathway, by the way, because it is, faith is a journey. People don't just go, oh, Jesus, yes. It's a journey. And when my wife and I began this church eight and a half years ago, it was with this in mind that, hey, could we create a space? Could we create a community where people could come and, and walk alongside others who have, who have come to know 
that Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to the Father. And if, if people could walk together with us, that maybe at some point along the journey as we take steps, one step at a time, together pursuing Jesus, that somewhere along the line as we take steps that, that it might click for you. That somewhere along the journey you might go, oh, I get it now. He is the Son. He's the only hope. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father. And what he requires of me is that I surrender my life to him. And that's where it gets hard. Because it's like, all of a sudden, in that moment, you have to know who he is, because if you don't know who he is, you can't trust him with your decisions. You can't trust him with your money and your time and your life. But if you know who he is, if somewhere along the journey, it's revealed to you, this is the Son of God. I can trust him like no other. Then in that moment, you would have the faith in your heart that God gives you to take a step towards him and say, you know what? I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow him for the rest of this life, wherever he leads and into eternity. And I don't mean to make this hard, but the disciples that made that decision that day, many of them died for their love and commitment to follow Jesus. Imagine if, imagine if we had that kind of faith, if we were the kind of people that said, we're so certain of who he is. And we're so committed to following him because we so trust him that no matter what happens in this life, our faith is in him and him alone. And we would walk in that direction, following him every step. You don't have to worry about what happens next year or 10 years from now. You just, like that illustration, man, you just, Jesus is like, follow me. Just, just follow me. And we just follow him day by day by day into the future. And so today I want to close. I've asked the band uh, to, to come and they're going to come in just a second as we pray. But I asked him to come and sing a song, and if you could just throw the lyrics up for that first verse, MJ. The song is called, Oh, Come to the Altar, and the words say, Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? And honestly, I'm convinced that there has to be a moment in our lives when we come to the end of ourself, because as long as there's some of ourselves left, as long as we've got confidence in us, we'll never surrender our lives to him. But when we come to the end of ourselves, and that's something that we can either choose to do or it can happen to us. Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. And the chorus just says, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I can't stand here as a pastor and tell you that Jesus will meet your every need and fix everything in your life. But I can tell you that if you will follow him, he will be a faithful guide. And he'll lead you to the Father. He'll lead you to an eternity. He'll give you hope. And, uh, and that's something that no one else has to offer. And so I want to pray, and I'm going to ask the band to come. And as we sing this song, I, you know, we never do this, but I want to open the altars. And I just want to give, and we don't even have an altar, but there's kind of a bit of space up here. If you want to come as a step of faith and just say, hey, you know what, I'm committing my life to Christ. Or, or hey, I've been, I've been wandering into my own things, and I want to just recommit my devotion to following him. And you just want to respond by coming and singing at the front. You go ahead and do that. We're going to respond today. Um, because I don't want to let a moment like this pass without responding to him. So let's, let's pray together. Father, in these moments, um, you just sense your presence here in the room. and Lord, you're, you're at work in us, and you're trying to lead us to your son, and your son is leading us to you. And Lord, I, I pray that in this moment, no matter where we're at with our faith, no matter um, what our story is, what our background is, the things that we need, God, that in this moment, um, we'd be willing to trust you enough to have the courage to step out and say, 
today. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I trust him to be the faithful guide that will lead me through this life and into eternity. So Lord, today as we sing this song and respond, I pray that you would, you would continue the work you're doing in us, birth something new in many of us. And God, thank you that you have given your life for us and are leading us back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.